Okay. Um, so today I want to talk about Renatana Tokev, which is kind of like, because I think this is our last class before yes. Rosh Hashanah, because next week is the Yomayin, which I, ho- I hopefully will attend, and I hope I'll see you there too. Um, so I want to talk about Renatana Tokev, because it's sort of like the PU of Rosh Hashanah, right? Um, so let's all, and I, I mean, whatever, it's also somewhat fitting maybe for September 11th in its own way. Um, I guess there's, it's just one for every person. They're front and back. Mm-hmm. No, this is the wrong thing. Oh. Oh. This is the wrong thing. Yeah, why don't we take this back? We, we may get there later. Sorry. Yeah. Um, sorry about that. Here. This is what I meant to say. Here you go. This is, so this is, again, the Goldschmidt um, Hebrew and the Art Girl English this time. Which, I don't know, I don't know which one is better. The downside of the Art Girl English is it's already, like, paragraph broken, so it may look to that. Um, so, I mean, I think like one interesting thing about Nintanotokov is, like, that it's First of all, it has this story that we'll talk about that goes with it. If people know what I'm talking about, there's a sort of, somebody want to say, probably not, right? In times like it comes, like when you learn, before you even like are old enough to sit through all of the stuff, if you go to Jewish day school, you learn this story about Antanatokas in like fourth grade, about like this rabbi who was challenged, sort of ordered. Hmm? So, rabbi Kalanus does is involved. The, the rabbi who is attributed to his name, Rabbi Amnon of Mind. Who like you know he he was sort of he had some sort of relationship with the archbishop and eventually he was ordered to convert. They sort of pestering him to convert. And he said, I'll, finally he said, I'll think about it. And then he felt so terrible that he had said he would think about it. Um, you know, after three days they called him back and he said no. And and, you know, like, just cut out my tongue because I shouldn't have even said that I would think about it. And they said, no, we're not going to cut out your tongue. We're going to cut out your feet because you should have come when I called you. And sort of, like, he ends up sort of having, like, multiple amputations. And basically, like, as he's dying, he asks them to carry him to the synagogue. And he says this, like, evocative prayer. And then he dies. And then, um, you know, he comes to somebody. He comes to Rabbi Kalanimus in a dream three days later and teaches them the prayer that he said. Right, and that's sort of how it gets into our liturgy, allegedly. Um, right. Even it's even in this, right? But the interesting about the story is not just that that story is there, which itself is sort of like it's a very evocative story, but that the story is in the master. It's in like, well, I guess I'll just say because I didn't bring these texts. So the, the story appears first for the first time in the Orzarua, which is. Um, I was going to do this at the end, but you can't, it's like, right, I, I sort of plan to talk about the story at the end, but you can't, you can't talk about this view without talking about the story, even though, as you'll see, it's of dubious historicity. So, um, right. So, it appears in the Orzuru, which is, who was like a Viennese rabbi in the 13th century, like the 1200s. Um, so he's sort of writing a hundred years or so after this, these events allegedly happened, um, and he sort of, he's, connected to the Kalanimus family, I think, who were sort of known Paitanin themselves, known like liturgical poets. Um, so, right, and then it sort of starts to appear in the Masur, and it appears in the Art School. I don't know if it appears in the Birnbaum. Um, I think it... Yeah. 
that's the use of the form of this therapy. Yeah, it, it depends on every author, right? Like, it's not just like the... Right, it's, 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 there's something about it. Um, correct. We'll discuss it. Right, there are many reasons to believe that it is not true. Uh, meaning there are basically no reasons to believe that it is true. Right, but what's so interesting is that... It's, so we'll talk about, like, what does it mean if it's not historically true? Like, why is it... It's, it's in some ways, like, part of the liturgy. So, like, why? What we don't serve what's that about? And how did it... Where did it come from also? So that maybe we'll, we'll say for the end. Um, but let's just sort of... Let's, let's look at it. Um, I think also we had a lot of sort of, like... A lot of tunes are connected to this in some ways. Um, it's sort of it's the lead-up to Kedusha, which also, like, it took me a long time to figure out... I feel like, you know, like, I spent, like, every year in elementary school learning this story, and I never, nobody ever bothered to tell me, like, what it was doing in the Moscow, right? We'll see, right? This is, like, it starts with the Vashem L'chata L'chata right? Like, let's, right? And that's, like, the story is that Rav Amnon comes in, and he says, like, let me, you know, he's, he's basically dying on Kiddush Hashem, so he says, like, let me say Kiddusha. Right? He said, the order says, he says, Vashem L'chata L'chata and then he says this thing, right? Um, so, right, so, Right. I mean, it's also right. Like this whole thing is one for you, and it includes Rashi and and all that stuff. But like, right. Right. So, I mean, I guess, I think those things do, or, like, sort of what I did last week, I think this is generally, like, a good approach, um, is to try and um, read it alone for, like, ten minutes or with your next-door neighbor. Um, think about, I guess, three things. One, sort of, what is there a, what is the poetic structure, if any? Um, two, what is the sort of literary structure, meaning, like, are there sections about, you know, like, you know, lines, again, like, like one, one through seven or about whatever, they're sort of, what are, what are the themes and how do they progress? Um, and, yeah, and so, right, so like, trying to figure out, and so right, the major divisions, the themes, which may or may not go with the major divisions, and like, what's sort of like the line-by-line poetic structure after one. Um, so let's do that until like, 11.35. The third thing, I mean, they're sort of, themes and divisions and sort of like the line-by-line structure as opposed to like the big structure, you know, paragraphs that sort of like, like for example, last two weeks we saw there's sort of like a three, every line was three parts and they sort of go together and then they sometimes even with the same words so what's going on here. Um, hello again. Um, okay. So we're going to look at, great, so let's look at the time program. You can look at the English the English is already divided into paragraphs, and I guess you can think about whether you think they're correct. But if you are comfortable in the Hebrew, I would encourage you to work in that, just because. Why not? So, so what do we think? What do you think? There might be some ways to... But uh, I guess that's just sort of my first question. Yeah. Okay. It seems to me it goes back and forth, mm-hmm. in different parts. Okay. The first part is sort of 
passions, awesomeness, his judging. So maybe, well, we, we can move to number two. There are themes that are running throughout, right? Like, okay. When you did the first part, what do you mean? From the story to the whole way around the other, we can never give me more Okay. Which is line. Right, like that. Okay. okay. Right. Then you go into the next part, you walk the right road, pay road. But he's like a shepherd who's caring for his sheep. You know, sense of caring and, and love there. Right. And then it starts the Rosh Hashanah Nikosayu back to the judging part. Mm-hmm. Who, who will live, who will die, who, you know, and he right. has a hard death. And down to Mark 20. Okay. Then it starts in but. But, you know, to Shuva, to Bila, etc., can make a difference. And again, Kilo Tapos, the monk of eight, he and Bishuva, he wants us to repent and do the right thing. So there's hope for us. And then, back to, but there's no end in the monk of eight. No, no, no. And then, back to, I guess it's also the same, kids follow the monk but there's also Ushmin Kurata Vishmaka, you still that one reminder in there that there's his children and his selected people. Right. So, so I think that's sort of a review. I think well, let's think a little bit more about like, you know, how things do or don't fit together. But something that I well, I guess does anybody have any physical reactions to that in the mouth? I'll just okay. add that um, <coughs> I, it felt to me like the shoe which feels that it was a fulcrum, that it was a centerpiece. Mm-hmm. And um, and that whereas it started with God the Judge, it then became God the Merciful Father. Yeah. And then there's this little piece about man being very temporal versus a child who developed the health life. Yeah, I think that's sort of how I would see it, but I do want to get back to this idea that things are coming back in and out because I think that that's right. Do you want to add something? I just want to say that you have to talk about God's king- kingship. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, that's how it all starts. Yeah. Right. And kingship is related to judgment, but perhaps not exactly. That's it. I don't know. I mean, it seems to me like that's sort of okay. That's the capacity in which God is acting as king here, sort of like ruler, maybe meaning like adjudicator. Adjudicator. Yeah. There's a lot of subtle play of the the strict judgment aspect of God, the mercy of God, even at the very Right. Now I was going to actually point that out. I think that's right. Right. That like even like just I would say sort of like big adult. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm going to sort of stick no longer, but I agree with that. I'll sort of say it again in a minute. But I was thinking, you know, like sort of what we have here on the first, again, like these are sort of, um, these divisions are largely based on just like the pagination and it's not the better copy different. However, I think it, it works out basically, right? Lines 1 through 20, essentially, what we have is this like description of Yom Hadin, and it has subjects like Judgment Day, right? We'll talk about that in a second, also a little more, but um, right, it's descriptions of some sort of a judgment, right? The, the whole point is like, everybody's afraid of the judgment day, whatever, but even even there, in the first 
Um, but in the first in the first few lines, you get this hint that it's not all this sort of like awesome. Everybody's trumbling, everybody's going to die, right? Like you come the chesed, you say, well, right?" In the next several lines, you don't necessarily see the chesed, but there's a hint that it's going to come up, right? Um, Right, so that's sort of the first section of line 20, I would call it. Um, second section is this, right, Shuvah Trila Tzedakah, you should write that God wants us to get better, wants, wants to correct us if we can, right? This idea, like this hopeful idea, this idea that there's possibility for change, right? That would be line 21 through thoughts. I don't know. Where would you end it? I have my thought, but I'm sort of curious. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's right, right. Then we have her. So twenty-seven to what? Thirty-one. Okay. So I think I personally think this is the place where that's where I wanted to do it, but I think that we're influenced by like mm-hmm. the way that it's right. the liturgy, right. the fact that there's a tune for Ain Kitsa. But I think that that's how Melchah Chag Family is is part of Ain Kitsa, right? So yeah. we are all this. So this is like the Melchah Yom Melchah Yom thing that we may talk about at the end, right? Like yeah. We are all we are sort of you know worthless on some level, right? Human frailty, whatever you want to call it, but you got our great, great. Um, great. Um, so then we have like 31, 2, and the end, 31, 6, 7, 8, 9. Right, and in the end, I do want to come back to what you said, right? God is great, so it brings us into it also, right? Like, we sort of set us up as, like, everybody's afraid. God is about to judge the whole world. Like, we're not, we're sort of like, God wants us to do better, but really we can't, right? Like, you know, after we say, like, you, God, want us to, want us to do tshuva, and, like, we can, if we do tshuva, we can fix ourselves, and it's like, but we're so worthless, like, it's almost like, how could we do tshuva? And then the point is, right, Kedusha is, like, this opportunity, like, one opportunity for us to try and do what seems impossible. Right, because like Kedusha is a situation where we sort of put ourselves in the position of the angels, and God has given us the chance to kind of to to praise God, to be Makdish God, whatever that means. God has called Shmino Karata God has like somehow connected us to Him in a way that, based on like sort of all the data that we've accumulated at this point, would seem impossible. Right. Right. No, exactly, right, which is what comes right after this. Right, it's on the next page of the novel. <laughs> Turn the page. Yeah?
Right, and spritz. I think right, the, the turning point, but still kind of the tension between what happens to people at the beginning and at the end is similar to what happens, right? It's a different relation, kind of angel also, right? The angels can have a different experience in the beginning and the end. Um, yeah. So for me, I think this book ends, the, the first line is about Kadosh, you know, where I see Kadosh like tons of times in that last section, and also the last line is Dharamala and Dharamata, and in the beginning also, just talking about the angels, all which are like Dharamala and Dharamata, which right. is us, which is also mentioned in the beginning, and it's our opinion also. Now, in the beginning, it's like everybody on the same, but at the same time, the angels and the people are all supporting God, you know, and they Right. Right, but I think, right, it's sort of like we are in it, right, what, perhaps what allows us to sort of like ride the coattails of this shift is like the fact that we can be connected to angels, but that itself is not enough, that's what you're saying, right, meaning like the angels themselves can be afraid, but there's something else, something about God's capacity to forgive, right, that's sort of the game changer here, which comes right after Shuba, Tzil, and Stuka, right, how do those work because God doesn't want to just punish everybody, right, um, that's the point. So, let's, I want to go through a little bit, um, more in depth, more in detail. First of all, does anybody have thoughts on the poetic structure? I mean, I think it's sort of, it's a little difficult. I, I don't have. Uh, it's not as clear as Ashray, where mm-hmm. Ashray, the first half of the sentence, the second half of the sentence mirrors or mimics the first half of the sentence. Right. You don't get that all the way. Right. No, I mean, you know, there's a few, like the first few lines, it's sort of like the, it seems like it is couplets. It's like, Kudushah Hayom, Norav Hayom, they rhyme, Machotech, Kizacha, right, MS. But then it's sort of, they don't all rhyme. Some of them do, some of them don't. I mean, it's laid out here in couplets, which I think is probably, is for sure the reason that it makes sense. But it's, sometimes it even feels right, like it's sort of three things are on the same theme, and then it switches themes in the middle of a line. Like, I think it's not, it's not super clear what the structure is here. Um, it's something to point out. I mean, it's just something to sort of sort of notice. And if somebody here is like a more sensitive poet than I am and has a better thought about that, you're welcome to contribute it now or later. Um, but so it, did it when you can't when you could, but it didn't work for everything. Right. I mean, there's some that are clearly deliberate. Right. Exactly. There are many places where it's, where it's deliberate, and this whole right, like the miva miva. Whatever, like there's a lot of places where it feels like poetry, and it does seem like this is setting it out into into two clauses per line or whatever seems right, but it doesn't seem like you can say much more than that. Um, yeah, can you give an example? Right. Right, I mean, some of these are just features of grammar where, like, if you're talking about God doing something, we don't have to start with the past. Right, right, no, exactly, meaning, like, it's, uh... Like, there's almost nothing in between, it's just, you know, it's the same words. Right, meaning it's definitely, like, it is poetic, it's very, it is a literary way of saying these things, right, like, it definitely feels like it's written to sort of be, to sound right, to sound sort of fluid in certain ways. Um, right, exactly. Um, exactly. So let's... Let's talk a little bit just from the beginning, um, right? So white yom, right? Kind of took it kedushah hayom, kedushah hayom being yom hadin, right? Um, so what Goldsmith suggests, Goldsmith, this the person who wrote this critical edition of the Master in like the 40s, um, he suggested that this is supposed to evoke both the yom hadin like the judgment day, like at the end of time, and also like to connect it to yom hadin now, and that's sort of part of why you have the um, you know, the Malachim Echapezin, right? It's about, like, sort of the fate of the world, the ultimate fate of the world, not just the fate of the world for this year. Um, 
it seems to be like that's possible, right? That the imagery sort of evokes both. I don't know if it's really saying like making a connection between two different things, but the imagery is sort of like it's, it's casting this year's Judgment Day and in the imagery of like the whole world is really in the balance forever, right? Um, right. Um, just again, sort of like to point out one of a literary illusion here we have. Um, and the, again, here also it's less. It's less like last week where like every line comes from a Pasuk. Right? But here this does come from Pasuk. Botin Yisem Lechotecha is from um, Bamidbar 24-7, which is on page 341 in the Tanakh. Right, so what? who's speaking? Right, right. This is from Matovu, but Bill I'm sort of is giving a prophecy about um, Benetra, right? Which sort of, I mean, I don't know what. <coughs> perhaps that's not an accident, right? Because we're at this point in the in this sort of like universalistic world of like sort of the whole world relating to God. And here we have a non-Jewish prophet, but the prophet is sort of speaking about. Um, it's also kind of interesting because you might even say the opposite, right? Um, Because the actual pasuk seems to be referring to B'nai Israel sort of being, becoming ascendant over Amalek or other nations. Um, like Rashi says, this is about the, not sort of like the distant future, but like the actual occurrences in the time of Shaul and David and Shlomo. Um, so I mean, you could, you could take it either way in terms of whether this is sort of like a universalistic illusion or not. Um, that's fair. Um, then this whole this thing of the code of summer and Madinra, I would say in some ways like that's sort of its own subsection until after the teacher like Zardinam, right? This idea of like this sort of mishkad, this march, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, right, this kind of like everybody's coming by to get judged. Um, which also this, which also comes from um, there are like you know there are biblical verses as well as the Mishnah source. So let's look at for a second at um sorry at um Isaiah 24, sort of the end of it, which is on page 97 in the Tanakh. Page start with like maybe verse 16 um, right right so in some we have this idea right God is sort of the honor of, of God is spreading out across the world universe I don't know then something bad is happening to bad people seems like in verse 16 um, verse 17 just sort of skimming a little bit um Right, and then in verse 19, let's start a little bit. Right, the world, the world is shaking, which is sort of similar to what we've had here, right, in, in the China Chokir, right, this image of like the world is shaking. Um, the world is sinful in some way, right? 
God is going to punish both the heavenly host and the um, the earthly leaders, right? Rasfru, Asifa, Asira, Bor, right? So like everybody's going to be, right? This code here seems to be punished, right? First of all, right? So there's two things I guess I want to point out. First of all, it's sort of, it's located in the same kind of context, more than two things. I just learned from somebody that you should, you should always add one thing to your list. But even if you haven't thought of a third thing yet, you should say three things. Because um, you never know. Although then sometimes you might not. But so I thought I was going to say two things. We would say three things. The first is, um, right, we're located in this context of sort of like bad people doing bad things and as a result, like sort of the whole world being in, in jeopardy in some way. Second thing, right, we have the idea of both heavenly and earthly beings fearing some sort of punishment. And third, just the particular point about the meaning of you've code here. You've code in this verse means punish. Seems like. Well, that's how it's translated here. That's how it was previously translated. And that's what it seems to me. That's what it seems to mean because the very next pasuk is that they are going to, you know, like be gathered in some sort of a bad place, right? Um, you've code in our, in line nine, you've code of Svama Rome, right? What does it mean? Right. No, I think it does. Right. Here, it seems to me that this Lifkodos Famaram Badin is the same idea, even though it says, we'll use Kube Nechabadin, it's supposed to, it's not just a punishment in the same way. It's supposed to have evoked the idea of counting, of exactly this sort of like everybody goes in a line before God, right? This sort of counting or accounting, right? But I think it's kind of interesting because if you know this pursuit, you have the background that it's also, right, it's, a, it's an accounting where, like, the outcome is not necessarily supposed to be so good, um, right, which is, which is why it says, kube necha, but meaning it's sort of, it, it's using this word in two ways, and one of the ways has the weight of this whole section from Yishaya behind it. Um, okay. This idea of B'nai Maron, um, all right, so, so the Gemara talks about this. First of all, B'nai Maron comes from the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah. Um, I guess we can get this out now. So Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah says that there's four times of judgment for the world. Um, here, why don't you pass this way and you can pass that way. And if there's extras in the wrong direction. Let me pass over to Marilyn. Thank you. Um, right, there's four times of judgment in the world, and one of them, right, it, it's kind of interesting because only one of them has this long excursus about it. Um, can I just give you my copy? I totally did. No. I have it here. Right. So, right, it says, Pesach, Ahachua, right, that's it. Straightforward enough, right? Passover is the time when you're judged for crops, right, because it's sort of like the beginning of the planting season. Um, on a teret, which is um, Shavuot, right, on the, the trees, because that's sort of like the beginning of the orchard season. Um, the Rosh Hashanah, right, you want to see like the Rosh Hashanah al Hablank, like two more words, right? And instead you have this long sentence, the Rosh Hashanah kol ba'eha olam ovrim lisanah kivnei maron, right? So all the, everybody who comes to the world, like, goes before God, like b'nei maron, which we'll talk about in a second, as it is written, hayoter yachal ibam hamevin el kol right? God who creates their hearts together and understands all of their deeds, 
Um, and then we go back to the original paragraph, like pattern of Bechadni Doni Nahamayim, and on Sukkot, they are tabernacles, they're judged for water, right? So, like, but there's no, I would say Rosh Hashanah kind of stands out in this pattern, right? Um, does anybody recognize that Pasuk? Hmm? Yeah. It's from Tehillim Lam and Gimel, which is we say on Shabbos, I believe. Rananu Sadikin. Um, you can see it on page fourteen forty eight. Is Maron? Is Maron is capitalized in English? Yeah. So there's three opinions. I mean, I don't. I didn't want to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have like my own wisdom necessarily to share on this, but there's three opinions in the Gemara as to what maron means. One is that maron is like sheep. One is that maron is a place where, like, sort of a, a high dwelling place where maybe people have to, like, I don't know, if people have to walk single file because it's like I, I don't know exactly why, but something like something about this place. And one is maron is um. I'm totally blanking. That's why I wrote it down. I wrote it down to get in my state. I would know what it says. I'll tell you in a second. Oh, um, or like the house of David. Can you name around there? So there's like a there's some sort of literary connection in the Gemara where they have they, they want to call it that, right? So I assume that the the translator there, this is from the Sancino also. I assume that the Sancino translator was was taking the second option that it's the people of Maron. That's why he says capitalized like that. Um, I mean, it's also interesting, right? Could name Maron um, resonates with Mar- the word Maron. Oh, yeah. Well, Kidnimarun comes from this Mishnah, right? So, I mean, but it's, it's, it could be a play that the Paitan is doing, whoever the Paitan is. Um, so, let's look at just to Hillel Namagino for a minute, which is on 1440, what did I say? 1448. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, right, the new Tzedekim Bashem is the beginning, which already is like a little bit different than the universe that we're inhabiting in Tanatokif. Right, in Tanatokif, it's all about how like none of us are Tzedekim and we all deserve to die. And right, this this Tzedekim is like you know God will take care of the people who do right, and like first of all, like it suggests that there is a possibility that there are righteous people, which like seems almost impossible in some some level in the Tanatokif universe. Um, and then if we look at the, sort of, towards the end, um, where are we? Where is it, sorry. Um, yeah, verse 15, right? God sort of looks down from heaven, sees all of mankind, um, God knows everything that they're doing because God made them basically. Um, right, and then we talked about how you know, like all the physical things won't save you. You have to fear God. Um, and interesting, right? If you look at verse 19, right, that God has the capacity to save you from all the things that we're afraid of here in the time of So, meaning, I, I don't know if I want to go that far as to say that, like, by picking up this word from the Mishnah and the Mishnah is citing this to you, law that, like, you know, the Python is importing this idea of, like, the actual possibility of being saved by God into the PU, but it's certainly interesting. At the very least, it's a contrast between sort of the way the Mishnah sees this, this kind of Mishkata and the way that it's being portrayed here 
in the pew. In the pew, it's like it's extremely scary. Whereas in the Mishnah, right, keep the name Aaron. You know, it's scary, but it's not. It's it's, this, it's more like this idea of like the sheep who you care for, right? Now, granted, right, that image, right, Kibatarat Roedro, right, which is, even even if Kibnei Maron doesn't mean sheep, right, he makes that explicit. First of all, it means he probably does think it means that because he makes it explicit next here, right? Or it means that he knows that Gemara, and so he thinks Maron means something else, but then he's he's leading into this the other idea that's in the Gemara. Um, Right, that even though this whole section of the piyut is all about like the scary Yom Hadin, it's, I, I think again this is the way that like the idea of chesed is creeping in there, right? Because like the presumably like the shepherd doesn't want to like randomly slaughter the sheep because like he wants the sheep to be around. Right? His job is to keep the sheep alive and sometimes to eat them, right? So it's not like the sheep from the sheep's perspective, it's not like they're totally home free, right? But meaning it's not it's not sort of wanton destruction of sheep that is like the purpose of the shepherd. Um, yeah. So, what do you want to say that? Right. So I think it was, right. I think it's an interesting contrast between like how this appears in the mission, how it appears here. But I think it is a way that this idea that there is some sort of hope is sneaking in, even in the first section, which otherwise seems kind of scary. Um, right. And then we have this whole thing, Rosh Right. I can't even say it without like saying it in the tune of right. That's why I, I usually would say Rosh Hashanah, right, but I can't. There you have it. It's, very, it's hard to talk about something that's so much part of like your public or like subconscious, um, right? So first of all, I just wanted to point out, right? This me, me, but this, me, but this. There's two. There's two ways of that form of functioning here, right? Right. The first few lines is like, who by this form of death, who by this form of death, who by this form of death. Then it switches. Mi anuachu, mi anuah, mi eshkitu, mi Right. Who by good thing versus bad thing, good thing versus bad thing. Right. Um, and if you live, then it's not like what you have. Right, exactly. Right, like, right. who's going to live and who's going to die, all the ways that you could die, and even if you're alive, what kind of life is it going to be? Right. Um, right, I mean, it's sort of interesting also, the ways that you could die, I mean, maybe Kito, maybe Lobe Kito, but Kito seems to include, like, all of the medical ways that you could die, for example, um, arguably. I don't know, right, it's a full life. Yeah, 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 but I'm saying, meaning, like, what does it mean to die of so It means to die of old age, which means right. being sick, yeah. right? Um, no, being really sick other than my epa. No, what do you think? It means just getting old and dying in your Right. 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 I guess what I'm trying to suggest, meaning in terms of, like, the ways that we modern Americans might die, most of them are not on this list, right? Unless they're in there, right? They would find, meaning like, very forms of sickness, like the sicknesses that we tend to deal with are not Magepa, right? They're not like oh. infectious plagues. <laughs> they're... Not yet. Not yet. I mean, whatever. Well, <laughs> there, there is to done for on Rosh Hashanah yeah. in that respect. Um, but like, speaking descriptively now, it seems like... This is a very extreme. I mean, with Raj means earthquake. That's a big dramatic magifa. You're not just sick, but you've got a magifa. That's right. gross. So, well, it's a kind of way of describing the thing. They take a cancer to magifa. They say, you know, it's so. You could call it that, right? I'm not sure that that. It seems to me like that's what
Um, right. I think what he's talking about, about things that like you nobody you, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, right? They couldn't have been there. Right. I mean, like I guess I guess my point is that the things that are being selected are mostly things where like your life seemed like it was going fine until like all of a sudden something happened. Right, tsunami, exactly. Um, right, like, and th- there's a reason for that. A, that that might have been the reality, right, that, like, there were lots of unpredictable, very dangerous things that could happen, that uh, could plausibly happen, right? There are always lots of things that could happen, so it was, like, very plausible, very palpable that these things might happen, but also that, like, he's trying to give a sense of, like, being very precarious. And the way you do that is by pulling out all of the things that you really can't predict, right? Like, a focus on sort of, like, unpredictable Ways of dying, basically. Um. All right. Um, right. So we'll come back to Chuba and Fila and in one second, perhaps. Um, yeah, actually, let's, let's not come back to it. Let's talk about it now. Just kidding. Um, so Chuba, Fila, and right, First of all, without thinking about the where does that come from, right, which is one of the clues as to the origin of this to you, what sort of, you know, what, where does this, where does this idea that too much feeling to Dr. Mavirina Dorani there is like a theological statement, right, that these three things can change your decree, right? The harshness of your decree. The harshness of your decree, <laughs> fair enough, right? Um, the... Right, that's the, actually, that's, that's, that's the point that people make, right? But it's nice that it said, Mavirinus has there. Because then you know, like, the four lines definitely dead. The other ones already, it's like, depends what and how are you going to live with what is given to you. Right, I mean, it's sort of, it's interesting yeah, because yeah, it's the same. It's not death anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And right, it's sort of interesting because the the linguistic similarity, yeah. sort of like, you shade into one without even noticing what you're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But then, maybe the punishment, the first four lines of punishment is so definitely to be really the worst. Then, you still get some punishment, but you are, it's less. You are still going to live. You're going to live. Right. We are not, we are being a sheep, we are talking about the talk or something. Right. Right. But the, the point is, even if you're alive, yeah, you're, it's not like you're alive, therefore you're suffering. Right. No. No. Right. There is punishment Which is there. Accurate. Yeah. And then it's why it comes. Hashem knows what what you deserve. That's what your mandate is. Right. You know. Um. Yeah. So I just before we we sort of talk about the source of that theological statement, right? Like, in, can we think about it sort of independently a little bit? Why does that? Why would that be true? Why would what 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 do these three things have in common? Right, or sort of why would these three things be the things that you can use to sort of partially change your prognosis, if you will? Chuvat filan seka. Yeah? My own interpretation is Chuvat is like for you and you alone. To feel it as you towards Hashem and stuff is you towards other people. That's lovely. Is, can you expand on that a little bit more? Like, is what? Is is doing what for you towards other people or are you towards God? Well, you're helping other people, but you're also helping yourself by thinking of other people's needs and wants and possibly how fortunate you yourself But it opens you up to other people and what they might be suffering. Okay. No, I think that's great. So, in, on some level, you could say, like, there's sort of 
you're trying to change, right? If each of these is a way of changing, you're saying you're changing a different thing in each. You're sort of changing yourself, you're changing your relationship to God, and you're changing your relationship to other people. And that's sort of how you can affect change in whatever your outcome is. I think that's, that's a nice way of thinking about it. Any other thoughts on I just I would add one more thing about step how, which is another way of looking at it is that they're all kind of on the same theme, which is right, on some level like right, being willing to some sort of humility about your own position. Right? Shiva is sort of the, the ability to say that you were wrong, that you need to be something different than you were. Shiva is similar sort of like humility about your your own position in the face of God, sort of understanding that sort of a, the opposite of arrogance or haughtiness, right? And Sinaka can be cast in the same way. Um, you know, as sort of understanding that your position is not necessarily like, like you don't have things because you're special, you have things because like you're supposed to share them with other people. Like sort of not, the, not sort of overcoming the impulse to hold on to things for yourself, basically. Um, I mean, there's actually, I'm, I'm not being clear about this, but I'm thinking of a, there's a Gemara that talks about how, um, you know, if B'nai Israel don't give tzedakah, then the Umoto Alam are going to come and take it by force. And even so, it's considered tzedakah. Well, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean if, like, you know, some empire comes and takes all your stuff for their soldiers, that that's considered tzedakah for you? It means that some part of the tzedakah-giving impulse is the ability to sort of separate yourself from your stuff, right? The ability to, like, think of yourself as more lowly, less sort of, like, I don't know, less comfortable, less deserving of having things, and sort of, like, like more sort of what we're about to see of, like, you know, Adonis Sodome Afar, whatever. Like, it's... it's also, the opposite of entitlement. Right. That's that's the word that I am like circling around and forgetting. Yes. Thank you. Right. It's also you have to have it Right. Right. I mean, I think all of these things are sort of like on some level also focused centering on a theme of humility, not just sort of like what area of life you're perfecting, but also like how you're perfecting. You're perfecting it by sort of limiting your estimation of yourself. Um, at least in, you know, and which we, we get to next in the, in the thing, in order sort of focusing more on your estimation of like your, more on your responsibilities and your rights, let's say. Um, okay. So let's talk about the source of this. So there, there are several sources that seem to talk about how you can, um, how you can undo bad decrees or undo the badness of decrees if you want to be more. Right, um, so this in Rosh Hashanah, so the first one, we have. Is this familiar people? No, I, okay. I just, I'm just wondering because I feel like I don't know. I, this may or may not be a thing that people like to talk about. I will also give credit where credit is due to um, Rabbi Jacob J. Schefter and Rabbi Kenny Brander, who like Rabbi Brander wrote like something in the Why You Torah thing about this a while ago. That's like that thing they give at Enchilled. But Rabbi Schefter assumed did most of like the historical legwork. Um, Right, about sort of finding some of these sources and sort of trying to piece together the historical genesis of the time table, which is where this is going to go, believe it or not. Um, right, so in, in Rosh Hashanah we have several statements of Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, which is sort of the kind of thing you would have in Gemara a lot, where like Rabbi Yitzchak said something about Rosh Hashanah, and now like Rabbi Yitzchak said all these other things about Rosh Hashanah. So, right, um, so they're, they're kind of interesting, but let's um, start. Um, oh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry about the English. I don't know what happened. Sorry about the English um, alignment, I guess. Let's start with the underlying part. 
Um, yeah, the bottom of the first page. Yeah, the bottom of the first page. Sorry, source number two. Either I start underline something. Either I'm already stuck or in English. Rabbi Isaac further said, "Arba Anvarim Mikarim Gzarti Nam Shaladam." Four things. Not just Roa Hazvera, but they can cancel your bad decree. Eluhim Tzedakah Tzedakah Shinu Hashem Veshinu Masa. Right. So Tzedakah, we we know we have it in our list. Tzedakah calling out is Tfilah, right? But it's sort of, this is, I mean, here you sort of have, you have two pairs. That's the Akash, you know, Yashem, Shemimah, that's sort of, it's, it's written in pairs that are sort of formulated in par- some sort of parallel structure. Um, changing your name and changing your deeds. Changing your deeds seems like Tshuva, right? And we have this fourth thing hanging out there, Shinoi Hashem, um, which, I mean, can we imagine that this might be the source for our Piyut and he would just leave off the fourth thing? Is, it, is that plausible? I mean, you can, you can, I, it seems to me like that is plausible. You could construct a, a situation where, like, excuse me, your shame is, is different in kind from these other things. The other things are, like, actually perfecting yourself in some of the ways we've discussed. You know, her shame seems like it's a little more of, like, a gimmick, right? Like, uh, like what are you trying to do? You're trying to confuse, like, the, uh, you know, it's not, right, it's not this, which it actually has been discussed previously in this Gemara, but, like, hmm? people do it, right? Right, people do it when they're sick. Yeah, but this is why. Yeah. Right, they do, they do it not for yeah, Rosh Hashanah. Right, in fact, because, yes, like, yes, yes. it doesn't make sense to do it for Rosh It doesn't make sense to no. change your name every year, right? It's not the kind of thing that you can, like, make part of your annual Rosh Hashanah preparation process, but you do it when you have a real crisis, potentially. But it, it makes sense that you could, you as a, a liturgical poet, could take this source and turn it into the three that we have in Nantanachokas because, like, one of them doesn't really fit for a yearly Shuva process. What if right. it means we change your personality? Right, maybe Shuvah Hashem. Then how is it different? Then, so then it's like included in Shuva, maybe. Right. Yeah. Um, right, so then we have... Um, maybe the Shuvah parts, both of them are just together as Shuvah. Right, maybe right, any sort of is under Shuvah. Right, arguably, but that's sort of right... If they meant that, then they would. If they're really not, if they're really the same, then why are they listed twice here? And especially because you see at the end, right? There's the Yeshimim Afshinu Makom. Some people say even if you change your place, and then there's this whole discussion. Well, maybe it's only if you go to Israel because Israel is special, but not if you go anywhere else. Um, that's kind of interesting. Um, in contrast, if we look at source number three, we have Amar Rabbi Laser. He's Rabbi Elazar. Right, so we have three things. We have Gzera Kasha, like Roa Hazera, not the Gzera in general, but sort of like some badness about it. Ve'elhin, Trilah, Zaka, Ushuba. Right, these are the three things in a different order. Ushloshtan, the Pasuk Echad. They're all in one verse from Jibre Hayamim, which. Did I write down where that is? No, but we can find it. Yeah, but I'm saying in the, in the, um, in the book. Right, but it's, I mean, it's, you have the whole thing here, actually. Right. Um, right, so my nation will be, will be humbled in some way. They will pray, right, and they will seek my faith, You would think, reading this pasuk from Jivirah, you mean that praying and seeking God's face were the same thing. Right, um, but they say no. Seeking God's face is tzedakah. Why? Um, I will see your face, God's face, by giving tzedakah. Which also there's other tradition about that um, in other places. Um, 
And if they do these three things, then what will happen Then I will, you know, I will hear it and I'll forgive them. Um, right, so there, there's this source. Here we have the same three things that we have in our... Um, much more in our piyut, and there's a parallel source in Breshit Rabbah, which also has this three. If um, this three. Yeah. If Vayikhanu means that Shalom and Shalom, and that relates to what you were saying about the three things, it's the Shalom. Right. Right. That they all sort of have this common sense. Yeah. Um, it does. Right. So there actually, Rishonim sort of talked about this. Right. Like, why does the Paitan talk about three when the Gemara talks about four? Um, you know, to, like I said, to me it's not obvious that this is such a big question in the view because it could be that Shemini Shem is like a, it's sort of a different type of thing. But it is true that like if you had a source, meaning like if the source wasn't really talking about the kind of truth you're talking about, maybe you wouldn't use that source, right? It, it's potentially like unusual to take something and turn it from four to three, right? Maybe you would add four, or you would you would interpret it in some way. Like you might interpret it in some way that would fit with the theme of the view, but not just leave it out. So that's why people suggest that actually like, this Python is working with the Yerushalmi tradition. You, right, the Talmud Yerushalmi and Bereshit Rabbah are both Eretz Yisrael texts. Um, right, so maybe the Python is working with those, which suggests that he's not like in 11th century Ashkenaz. Um, because that's not what they were doing there necessarily. Certainly, they weren't, wouldn't ignore the Bosley in those days. Um, furthermore, apparently, in the Geniza, what, there are fra- there are fragments. I mean, this whole piyut of things, but there are fragments where, of phrases that are here that are from like the seventh or eighth century. Um, so, meaning, the point is basically this text is older than the Crusades. That said, the Nunatana Tokaf, right? Yeah. It's older. That's what it's, certainly like these texts on my source are older than the Crusades because they're rabbinic texts, but like. So it's not on It was not written by Arabana. So let's. But. Let's talk about it right, a little more than that, right? So what is it. Okay, fine. So, so that's not true. Some people say it's either like some sort of. It's, maybe it was Yana himself who wrote this, maybe it was some sort of other Python at the same time. Yana is sort of like the Or Python, the teacher of the Kalir. Um. So, basically, this is the suggestion that people make, um, that it used to be that people did the whole sort of, like, lead into Kedusha, that the Khalir also wrote one, which was, apparently we have it, and it's sort of about, like, how, you know, Bezer are such sinners, and, like, you know, we, 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 don't, we, we don't make sacrifices for God, we don't care about things, we just, you know, sort of, like, describing how we don't, you know, we don't care for God, basically. Um, we don't want. We don't care for God. We don't do what we need to do. We're not willing to, you know, devote ourselves to God in any way. Um, and you know, but we, you know, then sort of some sort of turnaround to try and bring us to Kedusha, right? Um, and the suggestion is that that was did not seem correct after the Crusades when people had like basically martyred themselves en masse. But that was not that was not what they wanted to say. But this this was more, right? This, especially this whole thing of like how people are going to die really sort of connected with people much more. So that like the suggestion is that historically this did replace the Khalir's introduction around the time of the Crusades, right? This story about Rav Amnon, who incidentally no one has ever heard of, right? It's not clear that there even was a Rav Amnon, right? Amnon means Amunah, incidentally, right? So meaning like he's sort of like, he's a stand-in for all of these people at that time. Right? In mind, it was some kind of 
Right, no, there was a large community in Mines that was destroyed in the crusade. Basically all, like, totally massacred. Right, so, right, so, I mean, like, in some ways, Amnon is, like, it's putting onto a person the experience of this whole generation in some ways. So, right, historically, people say this was instituted in the, in the Mahzor at that time, right? So, first of all, you could read what the Orzerua says as, oh, here's another piece of information, right? The Orzerua quotes the story in the name of Rabbi Ephraim of Bonn, who, other than being cited as the origin of this story about Rabbi, Rabbi Amnon of Mines, is also known as an expert in liturgical poetry of the colors. Um, right, so we have, like, Rabbi Ephraim sort of maybe, and the story is that Rabbi Amnon had this terrible thing happen to him, and then he came to Shul, and he said, and he said, and he said, but it's not, even the way you read the story, it's not obvious that he was composing in a Tanatokif at the time, right? It could be that he was saying something that he knew that not everybody else knew, that then he came back and whatever the thing was the dream he came back and he taught it to somebody sort of so that they could learn it also. Did but they have to invent that story to, in order to get rid of Hakalir's piece because everybody was so used to it and you'd have to do something really dramatic to convince people to take it out of the masa? Um, I, mean, I don't know if it's sort of if like if like Tevye's dream or whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if it was like a purposeful thing like that. I, I don't. I don't have an opinion as to like where this story actually came from. I think the. I mean, again, that's not. That's like beyond my pay grade. So they think that this was So they think it was written by not by Hatzalir because we know what he wrote. They think it was written by Yanai or perhaps someone else like him, like around that time. It replaced the Kalir's introduction, right? And like that, this story, even if it's not. If it didn't happen exactly that way, it's sort of getting at what did happen, which is that, like, this was placed into the liturgy as a response to sort of, like, the mass martyrdoms of the Crusades. Sort of, like, the idea that this is a prayer of people who are willing to martyr themselves in some fundamental way. Um, Which is also kind of, like... But that's why it's very evocative for us, and then it's also sort of... But it's interesting that it's, I'll put it this way, it's interesting that it's stuck there, even as the circumstances change. Um, and I don't know what they say in Edot HaMizrach. I meant to check that before I came in, but I just remembered right now. I would imagine it's something different. How long was Ichlan Was it during the No. It's old. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, Ashkenaz, where, where did it I mean, right, the, I, what do you mean, the Mahalor? No, no, yeah, compiling, when do we, we have a formal sentence for the country, you know, for Mahalor. Um, I would guess that there's something in Seder of Amramgon, though I don't know. I mean, I think we don't have we don't have books of liturgy in the same no, way from the from the rabbinic period. I think we do beginning in the Gaonic period, certainly the earlier shonim. Um, there are that they're different than ours in certain ways, but like the idea of like you would have a book and it would tell you what to say for everything in order. But we have, like I said, like these manuscripts in the Geniza of Putim or whatever. I don't know that they're in the form of like a sidur with everything straight through. It might be like different few team are sort of scattered in different ways. They're not necessarily collected in the same way, not if they're collected with the rest of the liturgy. Right. 
kind of custom to what it is that they were saying. It wasn't like everybody was all saying the same thing. But they knew right. that a lot was instructing them, okay, now you have to write an answer, you have to go to this really I mean, the basic structure of our mocks are like so we know what happens well, in the Also, when you say that that is from year to year, you, in your conversation, right. which they still do in Breuer's, I think. I think Breuer's has like an elaborate structure. They just say different ones in that structure. So, in terms of. Somebody would write one, right, then you'd do that one, and then you wouldn't do the ones that were in the book at all. Right. Except, I mean, there's some that sort of like, you know, were enduring, like were keepers, and some maybe mm-hmm. were not. But like I was saying, right, for the birth community, like, they don't say the same thing, they for the same thing every year. They have some sort of like elaborate structure of what they say when. I think that Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would be surprised to see it in this part of Moscow, though. I don't, I did not check. I guess I have to check after this now. I'll let you know in two weeks. Did you suggest that <coughs> because Tshuvah Tshuvah Tzedakah Vavirah Shrubs, there are references to Talmud Yerushalmi, therefore it couldn't have been written by Arman or by Kolom? Um, let me let me expand on that. I did suggest that. Here's here's how how I meant that. Right. Basically, let's let's assume that what we have is some sort of a dis- disagreement or sort of at least a contrast between the Babli and Yerushalmi. The Babli says there's four things. and Yerushalmi says there's three things. Right. What you would not expect to see from Ashkenazim is explicitly accepting the Rishami version of three over four. Even though there are some people who argue that like a lot of the Minhagim and the Tos would have to justify against the Babli really come from the Rishami, but by the, consciously, by their time, they believe that the Babli is authoritative and they would follow it. Um, but if the author is instead a person living perhaps in Eretz Yisrael in the 7th century, like... There's no reason for them to follow the Babli when they're living in Eretz Israel and these other Eretz Israel, they're, they're just following the Eretz Israel version on some level. That's, that's what I meant. Oh, Does that okay. make sense? Okay. Um, I mean, in general, I'm not, you know, it's hard for me to say. I, I don't find that whole line of argument super compelling just because, like, yeah. I don't see this as a, it's not like the same kind of thing as a halachic argument where, like, the Babli says you have to eat you know, this, you have to eat three kazetim of something, and the Rishonim says you have to eat four, right? And then, like, it, it doesn't seem like the same kind of argument, but Rishonim certainly were bothered by, like, well, how can they, like, you know, jettison the Bobby version and do, like, they, they didn't necessarily even know about the Eretz Israel sources, all of them, but, like, you know, how, if we have four, how come they, he says three, right? So, like, that was certainly the way that many people at that time were thinking about this kind of question, was that, like, you have to say four if, if there's four in the Bobby. So the fact that it doesn't suggest... Right. There, there are other solutions that people suggested at the time, maybe before they knew about this other alternative, but like, you know, it, the simple solution is just, well, they weren't following the Bobli, right? Um, which suggests that it's not written by who you think it is, right? That's sort of the step, suggest, because you would expect people in Ashkenaz to follow the Bobli, basically, if they know it. So, I guess I wanted to, what should we do? Does anybody have any other thoughts on this? Do you have any any comments before I do one more thing? So I have I have a personal um, I don't know if I should do this or not, but I'm gonna I'll I'll take a little risk. Um, I happen to be a fan of the um, Leonard Cohen version of this piece. Does anybody know that? No. Leonard Cohen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I thought, I mean, maybe we'll play it a little bit, and then, is that okay? Do people mind if I play a, a song? Um, and then you can think about, I mean, you know, like, whatever. 
Obviously, this does not have we'll have to, it does not have the same sort of religious significance as what we have. But um, yeah, right. Um, so but this sort of okay. Well, let's let's see see what we say. I I have as I said I'm a Leonard Cohen fan. Taking places in afterwards. Um yeah <laughs> after class. But now it's buffering. Yeah. So you can hear me. You kind of hear it in the background, but. Like, I mean, I don't know. <coughs> you say it's like a midrash in what way? 
Well, it's it's his I hate to use the word riff on on this prayer. So how does this, I mean, what's similar and what's different? I think there's certain things that kind of are similar to some of the things we've been talking about, right? Or not? You come up with the pattern of who buy from you, but he also gets to the active thing, who will be like, Right. Right, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's mixing like ways of dying and also sort of like bad things that could happen to you not necessarily being dead, right? And like this, like this idea of like, who shall I say is calling is sort of like, it's bringing this sort of like, you know, this ultimate sort of like, am I going to die this year back into like your, just sort of like your day to day life? You also don't really, there's some sort of uncertainty there, right? Yeah, the who shall I say is calling part to me is kind of a reference to the divine. Right. Yeah, the code is all right. calling That's interesting, because I was going to say that in some ways it's him, like, that's what makes this like not. A, I mean, it's, that's what, like sort of a Kodesh and Chol distinction. I mean, he's sort of taking this, this right. feud and making it on some level humanistic. Right. But I think it's also not right. Meaning, right. if you, if you right. know where it comes from, meaning from, oh yeah, right, right. If you know where it comes from, then I agree with everything. Who's pulling the strings? Who yeah. shall I say is making these things happen? And it's up to you if you want to believe it's God. Right. Um, no, but I think I, mean, I think right, it does it does sort of it pulls on the, the same way right, the same sort of first of all the same structure obviously but the same way that the midrash is kind of like interweaving it goes from these sort of like stark sort of disasters that could occur to you to sort of like the mundane things that might happen to you like you you might have a good year you might have a bad year you might get insulted whatever um, they're all kind of in there together um, I think I don't know I think it's kind of interesting I think the tune is interesting I think if you listen to the very very beginning where you hear this is the tune that I'm familiar with. Me, right? You sort of hear it in like the. It's true. I, you know, I don't know. That's why it's so hard for me to know. Like, I have like limited. I have limited liturgical experience in this respect, so like it's hard for me to know which of the things. Right? Yeah, I think a lot of people have heard that. I've heard already like enough of that. That sounds a little more Right. When he also like mixes it at the beginning with some sort of more like instrumentation feeling, yeah, like guitar. Right. But there's something. Sometimes I think you'll see. I, I couldn't find it. But there's one arrangement to this where it has a tune of Claude Nidre beating. And the tune of, it's very interesting because the tune of Claude Nidre is kind of like I think that's true. Um, I mean, that's sort of like you know, if if you're trying to make an allusion to Yom Kippur and you're like speaking to a, a popular audience, then like you just basically that's like the only tune that you can use because that's the one that everybody's guaranteed to know. So like. Oh, really? Yeah. I will look that up after class. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's something. I think Johnny Matthews. I'm sure it is. That's oh, yeah, where I am. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. Um, no, I mean, I went, I went to, like, a play in Florida, which, you know, like, in South Florida with, like, you know, many Jewish retirees, um, and it was... It's like a Jewish themed play, right? They yeah. sort of played at the beginning, and it's like it was. It almost felt like it was sort of too much. Like they were really pulling on people's like sort of youthful. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it. Um, so maybe for like ten minutes, I just want to talk about the formal meaning briefly, since it's already now. This is the second week that it's on your source sheet. Um, I feel like we just have to we'll get it over. Um, so I just want to talk about basically the first line. I don't want to go through the whole thing. So in here we have it. So, 
right, the Choma means Shehu Elmunah, right, it's an ABC kind of piece. Um, but the first line, which because it's not part of like the ABC and it's part of the Choma meaning to who, whatever, everybody just kind of like says it and then like, like it's often sort of like people say, and then they like start with their tune for the rest of the pew. But that's actually like the first line of the pew. We're saying it like a little bit off. Um, so I just wanted to talk about that line. Because, um, I just thought it was interesting, like as I was, I was sort of thinking about maybe teaching that, I saw two sort of different ways of understanding it based on the same pursuit. Do I have one more? Yeah. Oh, there's some over here, yeah. There should be. Sorry, thank you. Um, so, Hochez Biyad Midat Mishpat is a reference. Well, what, is, what do you think it means before we look at our next game? Right. So, what does that mean? God, right. Is it, is it, right. It's a poetic way of saying God is the judge, meaning God has, God has God's got the judgment, right? Or something like that. Um, so, let's look at. Deuteronomy 23:41, which is on page something. Um, 23:41. This is what I just said is obviously not correct. Um, I'm going to go with 33. Well, so what is, where are we going? <laughs> 33. Oh, yeah, we're in Hazina. That's just a typo. I'm sorry. Um, 41. Okay, what page? Um, okay. 449. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Um, right. Right, so if you... Right, so free with you to say, Right, God saying... Probably God is saying, I am God, right? I just I kill or I make people alive. I'm the one who can decide what's gonna happen to you. Um which is sort of obscure, right? Who is raising their hand to heaven and saying, I will live forever? Um right? This seems like God is saying, when I wet my flashing blade and my hand lays hold on judgment, vengeance will I wreak on my foes, will I deal to those who reject me. Right, and then it's, you know, sort of these bloody analogies. Um, right, so what is the tochaz mishpat? My hand lays hold on judgment is the way it's translated here. What, the question is, what does that mean? Or not, not just what does that mean, like, in the biblical sense or in the sense of view, but what, is, what did the people who read this, who the Python would have known, think it means? Right. Um, so... That's why we have this Rashi. Rashi sort of has two versions that I think is, I think it's kind of it's sort of interesting both to keep both in the back of mind and see like they're similar, but which one is really more? Which one is it? Um, so Rashi has right. If if I would pick up mishpat instead of right, God is saying to Bnei Israel like when I finally pick up my judgment to judge, like, basically to take vengeance on all the people who've been persecuting you, right, then, like, they would all be dead. As opposed, right, meaning, the Tochazim Shadidi means right now God is sort of being forbearance, but God can at any point pick up the judgment, and what would that mean? It would be the judgment against the enemies of Israel. Um... Right? Um... That seems to be the same thing. Um, even though he says it's obviously not the same thing. Um, 
fine. Um, I will give, I will return some sort of vengeance. Right here's another agadic interpretation that Rashi brings. When it says, I shall, my hands will hold judgment. Right? People are, are, God and people, right? This is sort of like a standard introduction to some sort of analogy, right? God, like human beings and God are different. But once a person shoots an arrow, they can't bring it back. But, um, but God can shoot an arrow and still bring it back before it. After God can you let go before it hits, God can bring it back. Maybe even after. It's as if God, right, an arrow is as if God is still holding it in his hand. Because it says lightning is God's arrow, right? Um, it also says, right, we have the translation, having something to do with, like, the, this, the glimmeringness of it, but they're saying, no, it's reading it as barak, right? Lightning is my sword. Lightning is an arrow, is a sword. What does it mean to, to treat it? an arrow like a sword? It means that you have full control over it. It's not that once you shoot it, it's gone. Um, right, so the idea is that God can at any point, God can pull it back. Right, in this reading is not God like picking it up as a weapon, but the point is that the nature of the weapon is one that can be pulled back, one that God has control of to hold and pull back. Um, so I just thought that was kind of interesting. The reason I came to this is because I was in two different Muslim that I was reading the commentary read in the piyut in the opposite ways. One said meaning God is sitting there ready to strike at any time and the other one said God, is, God has the ability to hold back in order to save us. Um, so I thought that was, that was really interesting and like right, right, I think right, the context in the Oh, the, right, the context in the... Right, and that's what in Hazim, and that's why Rashi says the Agada is the other one. I think the, the context on some level in... Um, right, the context, is, the question is, what, what's the context in the Cholam name? The Piyut, right? Where it's, again, it's sort of like, it's largely about God as the Melech who can judge us, but it's also about, you know, God is good to people and takes care of all living things, so um, you kind of have both. So that's definitely those two things. Yeah. Um, oh, it is. Yeah. I didn't even know that. This is not one of my favorite. Shows you what I know. <laughs> well, Baruch Shekivanti, I guess you should say. I should be pleased that I thought of the same thing that Arsenal thought of. Um, <coughs> right, God takes the attribute of justice in order to judgment, or pulls it back. Um, fine. Um, so that's sort of something to think, like, which one fits better into the context of this feud, but I think there's a reason that one has the impulse to interpret the feud as God's ability to hold that, because that's sort of our whole project on Rosh Hashanah, is A, like, sort of acknowledging the fact that there's a lot at stake, but B, right, like, there's no point in having all this dominance, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, Right. Right. I mean, I think it's. Right. Right. No, I think that's right. And right. And 
it's interesting that you say we have a lot of confidence because one sort of like the fundamental question is, is what does it mean right like is that an empirical statement it's an empirical statement that's false right so like it's more it seems like it's more of a faith statement like meaning we the congregation all believe this right and so right the, but the point is you believe it and sort of like it, this is part of your true problem like um, it's a good thing so, right, and it, just one more point about it quickly, what I said about the first line of Al-Khizbiyah, it's not a self-standing line, right? It seems like the original structure of this feud is like some description of God, right? And those always go thematically, right? Um, right, everybody's like, sort of the, the one that's the one God who can sort of check people's innards. Everybody believes that he knows what's going on inside. Right, so that they go thematically, not the way we say it. Right, right. right. So it seems like maybe the original way to say it was the opposite, right? Like, where perhaps even if the congregation says, right, like the Chazan says ha, ha blank, and the congregation says b'chol ma'nim shuhu blank. Um, that's sort of, sort of an interesting aside. Um, but, Yeah, right. Yeah, they really have to do this kind of talk here, or yeah, 
But you're, yeah, you're expecting, yeah, you're expecting, yeah, you're expecting, 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 you're expecting,